You're listening to Ink Speak, where storytelling and poetry meet the wonder and magic of living. I'm your captain, author, poet, and unearther of life, Maverick Malone. Six hours. I sit on the deserted beach and peel an orange, letting the juice dribble down my chin, traverse the sanctioned skin between my small breasts. I bury the rind in the sand when I am done and spread out my towel, laying with half my body beneath the shade of my umbrella and the rest of me browning like the softest loaf of French bread. Supper for sun. I read poems I don't always comprehend, but they stir up thoughts anyway. A seagull comes to inspect this lump of strange taking up space in his territory and graciously allows me to stay. Gives me a song in the hopes I will give him something in return, but I have nothing but kind words and a quiet thank you. You are beautiful. When the sweat begins to run into my eyes, I stand and walk to the edge of the water, lift the hem of powder horizon so that I may dive into the gray-green beneath. I swim only far enough to reach my knees because I am not great at swimming and once got caught in a riptide and thought I was going to die until a disembodied voice saved my life. The further I swim, the more I hear it. Not too far. Remember last time. I find solace in the happy medium of calm middle, the place where you've gone far enough to no longer fight the cresting waves, but not so far that you risk marrying Poseidon before your time. I float on my back and see wisps of white set in a frame of blue, where Monet must have taken his cues and first learned to paint. A kind of blue that has always lived in me, but only when I am here do I feel it, do I see it. The ocean tells me he loves me again and again and again. I never tire of hearing him. I moan and sigh as I swim. I feel pleasure like I have never felt before. An innocent, peaceful, unassuming bliss that even a poet cannot explain unless you've experienced it. The absolution of being so present that you are suddenly on some other planet, as some other being, as love birthed for the first time, as a return to earth, as words, as taste, as color. I savor the lingering orange now tinged with salt water. I swallow the clouds. I am the freest I have ever felt, drowning in the now. It's another sunny day here on St. George Island, but it is also my last. The final day of my short solo trip. Naturally, I made it a point to wake up early-ish, because I am relearning the art of rest, that is. So my usual 5 or 6 a.m. wake up was out of the question. So early enough to make use of my final morning, but not so early that I'm left groggy-eyed and fumbling around in the dark for my shorts and t-shirt and probably tripping over my dog for the seventh time. Poor guy. I don't know if I'm just really clumsy or if he is just a heat-seeking missile the second I wake up. The amount of times I have stumbled over his tiny body. But okay, not this morning at least. I got ready for the day and trekked across the bridge one last time to the beach, coffee once again in hand as ritual commands, and carved out a little spot for myself by the shore. It wasn't long before an internal script began running, my closing thoughts on this whole trip. And it was this. We are called to things for a reason. People, places, objects. 
We gravitate towards these things when we become attuned to listening to those guiding nudges because they offer us something necessary in whatever season we find ourselves in. Our winters may find us longing for warmth, rest, exhalation. Our springs inevitably bring some sense of revitalization. Our summers can be filled with discovery and becoming, and our autumns always bring drastic change. And of course, I mean this only as a metaphor. You may have autumn in actual winter or winter in the summer. Your individual phases of life will not follow any logical path, but you are indeed on some sort of path. We all are. What you are drawn to, or rather what is drawn to you, will find you when the time is right, and for me, this often looks like some form of travel. There is something adventurous and alluring about travel. I think this is the general sentiment, but some of us find it not only a passion, but a necessity, especially for our many seasons. The places I go seem to choose me intentionally at the varying points in my life. I will often feel some soft, gentle calling, almost like very low background noise running slightly louder than all the other voices and thoughts and shoulda wouldas in my head as if to say, you're getting too far away from what matters. Go here. Turn off and turn inward. Discover and reconnect. And then some idea or specific place drops into my lap on the Airbnb app. There's a phrase, a quote that goes, be a traveler, not a tourist. The main difference between the two is that a tourist actively, usually precisely and methodically, seeks the experiences, the attractions, the highlights of a place, and the traveler lets the experiences find them. These are two categories we can fall into when choosing some new place to visit. Some of us go for escapism, a vacation from the everyday minutia and the exhausting grind of life, and choose to flit from one popular attraction to the next filling our daily schedules with so many things that we don't even have time to catch our breath or really settle in to what it means to travel. Then there are those of us that want more. We surpass the stereotype of tourist because that's not what we do. We don't tour anything. We travel in the way a wanderer does, letting things find us, mostly having very little of an actual schedule if we bother to have one at all, and fill our days with taking in whatever the local culture is offering us. We let things find us and we take a lot of time to slow down and just be. If we plan something, those plans often get pushed or scrapped because we fall into something else that captures not only our attention, but our spirit. This trip for me has been no different. What I love most about travel is how much it changes you. And it doesn't have to be some grand scaled thing like flying halfway across the world and exploring a 16th century stone castle on the moors of Ireland or sampling the most authentic local cuisine of the Amalfi Coast, though wow, that does sound pretty incredible and I'm sure one day I'll get there. It doesn't take much at all to be affected in a positive and impactful way from any kind of travel. I've had one-night trips to small little towns in Nowheresville, USA that have deeply changed me. It's all in what you take away from the experience and how much you're willing to open to it, to slow down, to take it in. I always come back different in some way, so I guess for me, every season of travel is one of summer making love to autumn. Discovery and excitement, new experiences giving way to incredible change, and then being willing enough to let it go because that's always a difficult part about travel. The last day, the leaving, or leafing with an F, if you will. 
puns again. What can I say? And that's where I'm at now, sitting on the beach of St. George Island at 8.32 a.m. with my half-drunk iced coffee, its beads of water collecting on the outside of the plastic cup, a deck of my favorite oracle cards, and a book of poetry printed on pink paper. The sun is slowly rising in the sky and beginning to burrow its way again into my skin, already filling my spirit with energy and ideas. The ocean plays a steady soundtrack of waves, and there I go again, my prayers being answered, the words pouring out of me just as the sea pools in foamy arcs along the shore. And I say prayers because last night, before bed, I prayed. I pray almost every night, but the kind of praying I do isn't to some judgmental bearded sky daddy, as Rain Wilson would say. I'm spiritual, not religious, and I pray to all sorts of beings ancestors, spirit guides, angels, even God, but God as a much looser term. My God has no gender, though if they did, I would be inclined to say he is a she, but I'm biased. But this God is more of a collective cosmic consciousness than anything, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm here to discuss travel, not my views on God, for this episode anyway. But I pray as a thank you, as a form of nightly ritualistic gratitude in which I thank the many powers that be for giving me another day on earth, granting me more breath in my body, and for whatever else found me that day. Love, signs and synchronicities, words, words, words. And last night, with it being my last night here in St. George, I said, I want to do a final episode for my travelogue series. I want to do one that encompasses the trip as a whole, What I did, where I went, suggestions of places to go, things to do, just an overall summary of travel in this place, specifically. And I noted that I was too tired to write it all down that night, but should the words find me at some point the next day, I'd be ready. Because had I not clarified that little detail, the powers that be would have had no qualms about waking me at some hour between 1am and 3, and I would have been writing this in a much groggier state. And so here I am, coffee in hand, ass in the sand once again, fashioning myself a grand frigate from thoughts and words and shoving off. But this is what travel does. It opens us enough to first have the experience and then allow ourselves to be influenced, inspired, and altered by it. It's not something we consciously do. Like poetry, we can't just sit down and say, I want to write a poem about heartbreak, and then some meaningful poem instantly appears. It doesn't work like that. The words come of their own volition on their own time, after the feelings have been felt, after the experience has occurred, and this is travel. We return home different than when we left. I don't know how anyone could argue that magic is not real when there is evidence like this. So listen to yourself a little bit more and turn down the volume of everyone else. Most of us have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, but that quiet, guiding internal you always does. Go where they're telling you to. I found St. George by happenstance. I'd never actually heard of it, but now that I've been here, I know I will return. It's nestled on the Gulf Coast of Florida, up in the Panhandle, about 75 miles southeast from Panama City. I came because of my own internal nudges. And after the moving stress, I just needed rest. But not only that, I've just felt lately that I'm in a winter phase, this hermity kind of stage leading to autumn, some period of change that will hopefully birth me into my next spring, eventually. But without the rest, we won't have the energy for that spring or the busyness of our summers, 
Rest is so vital to us as humans, and we unfortunately don't value it enough. But I think that is changing. St. George is a place that will restore you. It's very small, not built up at all, with high-rise condos, a thousand cheesy touristy gift shops, and overpriced beachside seafood shacks hawking $28 fried shrimp baskets. Okay, maybe just one or two of those, like the Blue Parrot, but go for the grilled grouper, get it blackened, and order a basket of hush puppies for the table, even if the table is just you. So worth it. I'm going to throw another Taylor reference in here and make a strange comparison. If Panama City is her lover album, full of bright colors and shiny things to grab our attention, then think of St. George as folklore, a much quieter return to the flourishing inner landscape of our spirits, a return to nature, and a place that, if you're a writer like me, will pull an evermore out of you because you also, quote, just couldn't stop writing. Another bonus of travel, it absolutely inspires creativity. Though this may be due more to the fact that we're getting our daily dose of R&R and are not stuck in corporate cages anymore. You let any animal out of its cage for a few days and it will inevitably once again reclaim its wild. If you're looking for the type of town that will keep you busy with sightseeing, aquariums, amusement parks, basically anything and everything that deters you from exploring and opening to your own inner sightseeing, this is not that place. There are no costumed characters, thrilling coasters, or three-story aquariums here. But there is an incredible state park with a beach that will make you think you have set foot on some other planet, an old lighthouse to get your steps in, numerous paths for biking, and a Weber's donut shop, a popular favorite of the locals with the most delicious cake donuts. Which brings me to a pro tip. They're only open from 7.30 a.m. to 10 a.m., and by 7.50, the line wraps around the building. So unless you have your heart set on whatever special chocolate swirl birthday cake limited edition concoction they've crafted for the day, don't waste an hour of your precious morning beach time waiting in line. Go at 9.45 and wait two minutes like I did and get the glazed and the cinnamon sugar, which they always have plenty of. Stop by Bayside Coffee next door and grab a caramel macchiato to take with you. Then make the extremely long and incredibly perilous five-minute trek across the street to the beach. The beaches here are not packed at all. I'm here in the height of summer, the end of July, prime vacation time when families are squeezing in one last trip before the school year makes its triumphant return. The first day I came, the beachgoers were still very spaced out. Because it's mostly privately owned beach homes and only a few hotels, you don't have to worry about being overrun by people. As an introverted extrovert and someone who greatly values her personal space, I appreciated this. The older I get, the less I want to be in highly crowded places. Though even in places like this, on a spread out beach, you may still get the type of person who has no sense of this concept of personal space and will set up camp two feet away from you on a near empty beach. It's definitely happened to me a handful of times, not just on beaches, but out in public in general. There's nothing worse than being out in nature somewhere with wide open spaces and the natural world at your disposal and someone has the audacity to come sit right by you. This is why my third day here was my favorite. I slept in, something else I highly recommend for trips. Retreat from your normal routine of 5 a.m. wake-ups to work out and just sleep a little extra. Get up slowly. Take your time in the morning unless you're trying to catch a sunrise, which I also suggest doing at least one of the days you're here. But on my third day, I got going about 10, stopped for coffee and donuts, and drove to the far side of the island where St. George Island State Park is. 
It's $4 for a single individual or $6, I think, for a carload of people, but don't quote me on that. But it's definitely under 10 and it's good for the whole day. Keep your receipt and you can come and go as you please, but definitely, definitely go. I went all the way almost to the very end of the island and then made sure to walk as far as possible from any people I saw to set up my chair and towel. And when I tell you that I felt like I was in another life that day on another planet, I mean it. There was no one around me. No signs of life besides the crab and seagull friends I made and, okay, the occasional family looking for shells along the shore. But there are no restaurants, no condos, no hotels, no buildings except the main pavilion and a few ranger stations. But where I was, it was just dunes, ocean, and sky. I spent the next six hours alternating between laying on my towel, sitting in my chair, dancing and running on the beach, and floating in the waves. It was a dream. And I say that about a lot of things, but truly, it was home. I have always had an undeniable pull towards Florida. Anyone who knows me knows this. But that state park in particular felt familiar. I spent the whole day on that beach by myself, collecting feathers, pocketing shells, sipping coffee, eating oranges, letting the juice dribble all over me. I wrote many, many things, including the piece I opened this episode with, and felt even more. To put it succinctly, it was the most free I've ever felt. This is the power of not only travel, but more specifically, nature. It's medicine for a reason. This is also the magic and lure of a place like St. George. It is a refuge. It asks only that you slow down and take stock of where you are, of where you've been, of where you are going. Self-reflection is easy in a place like this, where we are not so distracted by blinking neon signs and bright shiny lights by trinkets and overpriced gimmicky experiences, we forget why it is we came in the first place. To escape into rather than from. Spending hours on that beach still felt like it wasn't enough time. I could have stayed all night. I could have read four books and still wanted more. I felt clear-headed, lit up, peaceful. I felt a kind of bliss I had never experienced before. Pleasurable, novel, restorative. And I was not bothered a single bit that I was there alone. I think spending time solo is underrated, but we can go into that later on a separate dedicated episode about solo travel. Solitude in nature offers you something you won't get anywhere else. It's why we have books like Thoreau's Walden, Gift from the Sea by Anne Morrow Lindbergh, and Cheryl Strayed's Wild. We are called. We answer that call alone, and then we see what happens. So if you're curious to be in a place like this without the distractions, Though, of course, there are things to do in neighboring towns to visit, like Port St. Joe and Apalachicola. But if you're yearning for a slower pace and an internal escape, book something in St. George before it comes the next PCB, before its subtle old Florida charm becomes overrun by tacky shell shops, McMansions, and highway robbery condos. But even if it's not here, choose out there. Click book now on the places that are calling to you. Maybe it's the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina or the marshy, brackish coast of South Carolina. Maybe it's the Mars-like landscape of Utah or the breathtaking vastness of the Grand Canyon. Or perhaps it is nothing like that. Perhaps it's a Dolly Parton-themed camper an hour east of your hometown or a one-room wooden cabin nestled in the woods of where the hell am I, Tennessee. The point is to just go for a night, for a weekend, for a few weeks if you can. Plan a road trip somewhere. Get lost. Decide to randomly stop when you see a sign for the world's largest donut. Pull over and take a photo of that hauntingly beautiful dilapidated roadside motel sign. 
eat greasy burgers and fries at Ruby's Diner. Just avoid the late night crowd. The point is to allow. Let the experiences find you, and when they do, feel into them and let it breathe change into you. You do that, and I guarantee you're going to come back entirely different. You're going to come back new. until the very end. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support my one-woman show, please subscribe and share it on social media or leave a rating and review. Reviews will help this pod to be found more easily and that in turn helps this whole thing grow. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Mav Malone. Let's connect. My DMs are always open and I'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on the latest events, books, and podcast episode releases, please head to my website, maverickmalone.com and sign up for my email newsletter. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.